Welcome to the Maniverse Podcast with your host Tom Traplin, session number seven. Hey everybody, on today's podcast, we talk with Gabriel Escobedo, the owner of Game Haven, a unique store in that it's part cards, part boards, part miniatures, and part arcade. This is probably the hardest working man in the game business, because he spends over 100 hours every single week running his shop. But it helps when you love what you do. The theme of the episode is mainly on the preparation that it takes to open a store successfully, well before your doors even open the first time. We also talk about an emerging trend that will probably deeply impact the miniature market in the next couple of years, and that is 3D printers. But I'll let him tell you about that. So let's dive in. Tell me about Gamehaven and yourself. Well, my name is Gabriel Escobedo. I'm the owner-operator of Gamehaven SCL. I run an arcade-slash-game shop, which is a little unique because we kind of do everything here. We have an arcade section that is $3.75 an hour or $15 for a day pass per person plus taxes. And then they can come in, do whatever they want. We're open to 3 in the morning every day except for Tuesdays we're closed. And we have everything from Atari to Xbox One, PS4, Wii U, so Super Nintendo, NES, GameCube, the whole shebang bang. We don't have uh, ColecoVision or Commodore, you know, more of the -the Mm off-the-wall brand name systems. But we have everything else. We have a... Five computers with 100 megs of internet, and they have all like the the popular games downloaded on them. Uh, we have arcade machines that are all set to free play, so there's no quarters required. You can play whatever you want. And one's a Ultra K that has 2,000 games on it. So if you want to play Pac-Man, Dig Dug, Tekken 2, I mean Streets of Rage, everything's on there. Hmm. Uh, we also have foosball, ping pong, air hockey. So gives uh, kids and adults a chance to come in and hang out and do whatever. Very cool. So how did you get into this? What was your life before the store? Well, a uh, very nerdy one. Uh, I've always loved the collectible card games and Dungeons and & Dragons and video games. And uh, I grew up pretty pretty broke, so I didn't really have a chance to do all those things as a child. Uh, so growing up, I always wanted something like this. I was like, why hasn't anyone done this? And I was like, you know what? I'm going to be the one to do it. Hmm. How did you afford to do this? Like, where? How did the financial position result in all of these toys and goodies well actually our uh, business loan was very small starting up when you're talking about opening up a business i mean you go to open up a restaurant you're looking at you know at least a hundred thousand possibly two hundred thousand if you have to put in the hoods and deep fryers and all that other stuff half a million if it's a franchise yeah yeah it's uh we spent very very small amount of money uh opening up the place i had a whole year uh, prepping for this, so I was able to wheel and deal on Craigslist, and you know, go to my friends and have them donate some stuff. And I used a lot of money out of pocket for a while too, just buying these things off Craigslist and and just getting random things here and there. And, and a lot of this stuff I built too, uh, like the counters we all have. I, I, me and my cousin built those, and then I 
I just built another counter that's all shelving for another part of the building. So like we, we saved a lot of money just being able to find really good deals and not having to buy everything brand new. Cool. That's a, an interesting way to start up. So was the saved easily 30,000 just by not having to buy like all brand new couches and everything else. Yeah. Sounds good. Especially at the beginning, right? Where you need every dollar. Oh, yes. <laughs> so how long have you been open? Uh, one year and two months. How's it been going? We're doing good. We were already making profit uh, within the first year. Actually, within like the first uh, eight months. Yeah, that's very good, actually. Yes. So was the arcade the premise for the store originally? Because I know you do more than just video games. Uh, we go in uh, We go in strokes. So... The tables that we have, they're all free to play on. We have people come and play like Magic, Yu-Gi-Oh, D&D, Chess, Risk. And uh, the only thing we ask is that, you know, you buy our food and drinks. And when you're in here, you know, support your local business while you're in there. Don't don't bring in some awesome stuff that we sell here. Hmm. Um, so we have a bunch of people coming and do that. And so, you know, food and drinks, that's a, that's a decent amount of our sales every night. And then uh, like Magic and Yu-Gi-Oh cards when we do our tournaments, that's a, that's a pretty good portion of our sales as well. And then, you know, the arcade section, that's, I wouldn't say pure profit because, I mean, we have to pay for the systems and keep those maintained and buy new games and you, just the electricity to run it and everything else. So, I mean, it's not pure profit, but that doesn't cost us anything once the game's been paid for. Mm-hmm. So that that makes us more money in a sense, but it also isn't as busy. So it all kind of balances out to where if we didn't have one of those things, I don't know if we would be able to have stayed open. Hmm. So that's what you're known for best, being the arcade everything shop. <laughs> yeah, it, it's funny hearing uh, people try to describe uh, what we do because no one, there's not really a name for it. So there's usually a really long explanation followed by, "What do you guys do?" Mm-hmm. So have you had any uh, difficulties in the first year and a half, well, year and two months that you've uh, been open, other than the usual opening stuff? Is there anything, uh, any setbacks you've ever encountered? Uh, trying to think. Yeah, getting food started. Uh, cause we sell right now just junk food and, and like prepackaged junk food and, uh, drinks. And I've been working on trying to sell hot food here. It's where we can like sell pizzas, pretzels, snow cones, coffee, tea. Cause mm-hmm. we're open at three in the morning. So there's not, there's no other places that are going to be open at that time of night except for like, you know, the gas stations, in which case they sell the same things that we do. Mm-hmm. So we've been trying to get that going where we can sell that. And, uh, we just, as of two days ago, or yesterday, got uh, the approval for the food code. So we're finally going to be able to start rolling on that, and then I I expect to see a a 30% increase in sales after that. Mm. Was that always part of the plan? Or was that something that you just kind of came up with now? Uh, I worked at Quick Trip for eight years, and I I saw our profit margins on what we ran every year and what department and how much we made off just each, each thing, and it's always food. Food's always good. People have to eat. It's not a matter of it. This is going to be a fad or will this calm down. It's a matter of you might have to get a different food product in there, but food will always sell. Okay. Uh, how do you determine what games you have on stock? Uh, we we try and get a, one of everything. Uh, we do buy games off people when they come in, and we'll offer them uh, game time for it, or we will offer them store credit for it or cash. And then, uh, so if they're trading it, we usually just go off, uh, like what, uh, Amazon or eBay has. So if they bring in a $50 game, we'll give them, 
like $35 in uh, arcade time for it or 50% value in trade or 25% cash. Um, so it gives, it gives people a chance if they don't have the money to just trade in some games and they can go play and then, you know, it doesn't cost us anything. So it works out usually for us. Uh, but we keep, um, we try and keep at least one of everything. We're not in the business so much of selling the games. Uh, we really just try and keep one of everything available for people to play. Okay, is it the same thing for the non-video game related stuff? Like it, when you do board games and things like that? Uh, not well. We don't buy board games off people, but yeah, for like Magic cards and stuff like that, and Yu-Gi-Oh cards, we do the same thing. So, uh, how focused is your buying? Do you have a uh, do you have a buy list? Do you stay up to date on tournament trends? Is this like an important part of your business? Constantly oh, buying yeah. new stock, especially with Magic. Yeah, I haven't. I've been playing Magic for twenty years, off and on. Uh, so I know, I know cards going all the way back, you know, to Alpha Beta, what they're worth, and you know, which ones that are going to be used in which format, and which ones you want to keep in stock, and which ones are just, you know, when someone brings in a a bin of ten thousand cards, you know, typically what shops do is a half a cent for each common uncommon. That's just a bulk mm-hmm. like that. But it's that's why a lot of stores go out of business is because uh, these people get all these cards that are worth absolutely nothing that they're never going to move and they're going to sit on forever and then they'll use it to trade for cards that are worth you know 100 bucks or so that are going to be guaranteed moves and then they're going to they're they're giving away their cards that they know they're going to sell for cards that they're not going to sell and it just ends up being a lose-lose situation for them Mm -hmm. uh so we i i am here 100 hours a week so i i handle all the uh trade transactions for uh, match the gathering I do not follow Yu-Gi-Oh though, so we have a we have a Yu-Gi-Oh guy that that does all our Yu-Gi-Oh stuff, and he keeps up with that, and he's he knows his stuff pretty well. So, okay, is it just you? For the most part, yeah. Interesting. Yeah, I don't mind working 100 hours a week doing what you love. You know, I'm around video games all day. When I'm here, I get to play games or hang out with people playing games and help them out. So it's it's a pretty good environment. It's not you know really stressful, and you know dealing with people you don't want to deal with is this is where I want to be. Mm-hmm. Did you ever consider doing a partnership, or were you the only one interested in it was going to be a solo mission? <laughs> well, uh, originally, I wanted to do this uh, about six years ago, and uh, I had talked to my buddies about it because they're all you know big gamers as well, and they said, "Oh, yes, it sounds cool." And then you know, I started looking at properties and started looking at bank loans and stuff like this, and then once I started actually getting serious into it, you know, everyone was just like, "Well, I'd rather just stay at the job. I hate doing this." So I was like, hmm. all right, well, I'm not going to. Yeah, so, <laughs> so I, uh, I went out and kept going for it. And then, um, I had my, uh, my brother look at the numbers. He's a nuclear engineer for the, the Navy. So he knows his numbers very well. And I told him, I gave him all the, the numbers to put in, say, Hey, figure this out for me. Is this plausible? Do you think this would work? And he told me, no way in hell. And I was like, well, mm-hmm. so. I ended up uh, putting the idea aside for a while, and then someone else had tried the same exact idea. Because I was looking online for for a long time, trying to find a similar business that was like this, see if anyone had already done it, and I could not find anything. And then uh, a couple years ago, there was a lady who had the same exact idea as me and opened up the same exact thing, except it was a little different, and it did not end up doing so well. She ended up closing... A couple months after, and then uh, the guy had looked at. I looked at a property, and he wanted a very large sum of money for it, which was 
way more than what the property was worth. So when I came back to him and said, hey, you know, we would like this property, but you know it was going to have to be for far less. So we ended up uh, working out a deal that was much more agreeable. And that's what ended up allowing us to get in here. Okay, so what was the difference between what the person before you did and what you've done? Well, um, I don't want to go bad talking uh, yeah. people on the on this, but I think we have a larger selection of games. Uh, our prices are more uh, accurate as to what they would need to be able to stay open. Uh, from what I understood, she was charging a dollar an hour or five dollars mm-hmm. for a day pass, and if you have all your systems running at max capacity, that's not enough to even pay your rent, let alone your utilities. And she was paying employees. Um, she, from what I understood, she really wasn't doing any food or drink sales or anything, so there wasn't any money to be made on that. Uh, I think she was buying and selling trading games, but the amount of volume you would have to run to compensate would just be ridiculous. So prices were just too low? The prices were obscenely too low and there wasn't enough. Like, uh, the store was pretty empty because I, I came in there once to see it and I mean, it looked nice, but there wasn't really any product to be sold. It's like we sell a lot of the card sleeves, binders, deck boxes, all that kind of stuff for, for magic. So we can accommodate to pretty much every type of gaming group there is. And like we just started doing miniatures and then now we're going to have the hot food going. So we get we get groups of D and D players coming in, and you know they'll they'll buy a bunch of junk food. They'll buy the new D and D manual uh, for like you know fifth edition just came out, and that's a real big rave right now. I mean we we run sales in every department, and that's that's like I said, that's the only reason we've been able to stay open is because we kind of have every every corner of that niche available. Mm. Every square foot of your business is there to make money, right? Pretty much. How did you determine the location? Well, I lived in uh, Overland for a while, and I, I have a house in St. John's. And uh, as much as this area isn't the best area, it's also an area I know that needs this. Because growing up here as a child, I I had nothing to do. There was um, either smoke, smoke some stuff or go get drunk with friends, and that was pretty much it. There's no bowling alley. There's no movie theater within you know like there's like one 15 miles away but you know who, what kid's gonna ride his bike out that far you know mm-hmm. so like kids without cars they really didn't have an option on on things to do so this this gives you know the the kids earlier in the daytime a place to go and hang out and stay out of trouble and then at nighttime you know we get an older crowd coming in and it's you know they don't have to go to a bar and go get drunk they can hang out with friends and you know be sober for a night hmm. a nice alternative yeah. Okay, so do you uh, do you run magic tournaments, or is this just sort of a f- open play kind of place? Uh, both. Uh, we have people come in, just come in and play all the time. And like I said, that's where we make money on junk food and selling singles and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, we also do do tournaments. Uh, we are kind of slowed down recently. Uh, magic goes in waves when people just get back into it, and they'll be playing every day, and then. They'll buy a bunch of cards and they'll get really enthused. And there's people who've been playing for three years and they're starting to get burnt out. And they'll slow down, but it's 
we we do like the pre-releases and we do booster drafts and we do standard tournaments. We uh, we tried doing legacy, but it just didn't end up uh, continuing to do so well. And then the modern players. Enough people to support. Yeah, there was there was a group of like eight that were coming in, and then they just slowly started dwindling off. There's a a new shop that opened up in Illinois. It's a good forty minutes from us, but all, most of the legacy that legacy players play out there already, so it's it was kind of hard to compete with it. That would make sense for an eternal format. Yeah, there the amount of money you invest into it, you're more likely to travel farther if there's a consistent consistent tournament that's the trouble with having eight people who are interested right that's the bare minimum for an event so one or two decide not to come that day that yeah that event doesn't fire right and then yeah well, you can do is you can do a six man eight man's just more ideal because uh, that's what it that's the max number before you go into four rounds so mm-hmm. you always want increments of eight when you're, you're doing a, a tournament because yeah, then after ideally. the next eight people it'll be in a, another round so how do you determine what formats you hold? Is it a, you just kind of throw it out there, see if it works or do you actively pull your customer base? Well, uh, me being here every day and being able to talk to all the customers makes it really easy for me to figure out, you know, what we need in the store. Mm-hmm. Uh, getting just to do little Q and A's with people, you know, five seconds of, Hey, uh, what would you think about a legacy tournament on this day, this time? Go, well, I don't play Legacy. Or actually, I have me and three buddies who play Legacy over here at this day and time. And it's like, oh, well, you know, so that's how that's how that works. Uh, in the beginning, it was more just like put a tournament here, see who shows up for it. Uh, now we actually have a good player base, so it's easier just to start asking people, especially like during a pre-release, just make a quick announcement. Would anyone be interested in Legacy tournaments on Tuesday night, 6 o'clock? You know, simple as that. Mm-hmm. But me personally, I I know what my players play, and and the uh, commander right now is the biggest thing because of those new commander decks just came out, and it's mm-hmm. a it's a new format where people get to use their old cards, so it's it keeps people interested. Yeah, so you have your finger on the pulse, right? <laughs> Pretty much. Is that something you'd uh, recommend that being part of somebody who would also have a magic store that you need to be on the moods and the trends of the community? Oh, certainly. Uh, one of the biggest reasons I see a lot of shops close is they get stagnant. They don't get anything new. There's no new ideas. It's just the same thing every time. And people just really get bored of it, and then they'll start looking elsewhere to, to go have fun. So you always got to try and keep things new, interesting, get that new product in, get that new event. You know, Just keep people interested because yeah. people will lose interest. Great. Do you have a strategy for bringing in new customers? Or is it a organic word of mouth kind of thing? Uh, originally, you know, I was trying to keep our budget down, so I wasn't trying to dump all this money into advertising. Uh, we we do the high school yearbook. That's uh, for us. That's big because you know our a lot of our customer base is you know high schoolers and you know kids coming in, and plus they're the, the next generation that's gonna you know when they get older and get jobs they're gonna be in here doing this kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, as far as like uh, doing Pandora spam advertising and all that stuff, we get we get contacted with people trying to get us to do it. But man, I cannot stand being forced to listen to advertisements. So there's no way I want to try and force other people to do those things. Mm. But the uh, Facebook and you know sharing, uh, like put a prize on Facebook and then like like and share this thing and you know you win whatever. 
because it's going to get people that are actually like a friends of a friend of a friend who might not have heard of it before and they're more likely to come in than forcing someone to listen to your thing on a Pandora advertisement that they're just going to mute. Mm-hmm. So how much time do you spend on social media? Uh, every day I have to check it, all the emails and, you know, go to our website and update that and just keep on that. Uh, I, it, it varies greatly, but I mean, I'd say 30 minutes a day. I guess that's not too bad out of your hundred and some odd hour work week. <laughs> yeah. When you put it in perspective, it's uh, yeah, it's not so bad. Mm-hmm. So what excites you about working in the game business? Well, the cool thing is I get to say I do this for a living now. So when people <laughs> have to go into work and, you know, say they, oh, I have to to do this job I hate. And it's like, well, I get to go play Magic the Gathering now. <laughs> you guys have fun. <laughs> I mean, I get to I get to help raise kids, essentially, when when kids come in here and I, I know they've got it bad at home. And, you know, I get to help guide them through life and say, hey, you know, this is probably how you should ask this question instead of saying give this to me you know mm-hmm. or yeah just just being able to help help teach kids you know the right way to do things sometimes and being an influence in people's lives and just getting to help people and being around video games and making making people happy that's that's a great rewarding thing for me good answer Thank you basically you. have the best job in the world right pretty much that's, that's very inspiring, hopefully, for other people who are interested in the same kind of idea, right? Yeah, ever, uh, the, only, the only problem is, is that it's, I, I do have to be here, you know, like 14 hours a day, sometimes longer. So, I, like, there's no outside life to here mm-hmm. too much. I mean, uh, I could pay an employee to come in and work. And at that point, though, I mean, you're every time I take a day off, that's, you know, 80 to 120 bucks that I'm paying for someone to come in and work. And when you factor that into sales, I mean, you roughly businesses on on average make 50% of what they sell. So you got to figure you'd have to run 240 in additional sales to make up for having an employee come in and work for that day. Mm-hmm. So taking days off is not something ideal and it makes having a personal life outside of the business very hard. But I mean, if you're running a business, then you, you should probably already know that you're not going to have too much of an outside life. Yeah, especially not in the first two to five years pretty much if you want to be successful you gotta really put a lot of time into it right very much so so as an employee in some time in the future like if growth continues is that an option that you're gonna look at oh yeah uh i mean i have two people that i i have help out here every once in a while but they're not actually uh with us technically Um, volunteers pretty much Hmm. it's like uh if anything happens i mean they're gonna obviously be the ones that are getting hired full time and being here. But as far as that goes, I can run everything on my own. So uh, there's no need to have a continual employee here. Mm-hmm. Okay. If you had to pick something, what is it about your business that makes it successful? Like what's the unique song, uh, the secret sauce, the secret sauce, not, not getting stagnant, none and just having everything available. Cause like I said, we'll, we'll have periods where, our players just won't play magic and then they'll get into league of legends and they'll be playing that for, you know, a couple weeks straight and then they'll start losing at league of legends. So then they'll start trying out uh, destiny and they'll, they'll get destiny and they'll max out their character and they're bored of destiny and then they go back to magic. And then, hmm. you know, it's just the, the fact that we have everything here that would, that could possibly interest uh, a gamer 
is that's what that's what keeps us going is that option. Okay, if somebody wanted to, or hypothetically, if somebody came into your store and said, "Oh, I really like what you're doing here. I want to do something similar." What would you recommend to them? Actually, I uh, gave someone our uh, business plan that we gave to the city council to apply for everything. Because mm-hmm. I'd, I'd love to see more places like this available and had become a more common thing. Not necessarily around me. Yeah, but, not next door. Uh, but <laughs> they, uh, they wanted to open up one over in Illinois, and he was asking me how hard it was, all the money and everything, mm-hmm. and I just – it's like, you know, I'll make this easy. I just printed off our our uh, our business proposal, gave it to him, and then uh, I answered some questions for him for about half an hour, and uh, I, I, hope, uh, he's, I hope he's doing well. Interesting. So can you talk about the whole process they used to set it up? Like how long did it take for you to, to write your business plan? What was it like oh. going to city council? Like, what was all that about? <laughs> well, that's a very long story on its own. The... Uh, the writing up the business proposal, the first one I wrote out was, you know, like a page long. And then I was like, oh, I could add this to it. And then I could add this to it. And then, oh, I need bars or charts now. And now I need, you know, because like you got to figure out uh, co- monthly costs, which you have no idea. And if you never mm-hmm. ran a business before, you, you don't know that, you know, uh, business utility, commercial utilities are going to be more expensive. Um, and you don't know, like, uh, depending on how high your ceilings are and like square footage of the building, that's going to determine your heating bill or like a cold winter. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if you're the more full you are, the bigger your electric bill is going to be, but also you're going to be running more business. So it'll, it'll compensate for it. Uh, just like figuring out cost projections is really difficult if you've never done it before. And I had never done it before. So that took me a while, but, how did uh, you, uh, how did you develop well, the skills to do that? Did you just hammer <laughs> at it for a couple of months until it looked good? Pretty much. Lots of lots of Googling. Lots and lots of Googling. And uh, using other people's business uh, business plans as a model. And just kind of getting like an idea of what, what costs would be and the variances. And like figuring out – like the biggest thing is figuring out your break even. If you're going to get – uh, a 5,000 square foot store and your rent's going to be, you know, 2,500 a month and you've got a thousand utilities like, and you want to have an employee and you don't plan on being there every day. What are you going to have to run every single day just as your break even? Mm-hmm. You know, that's, that's the biggest thing. And, uh, I, we, I was actually surprisingly close within a matter of a couple of dollars of what our actual break even was. And it's so I was I'm pretty pretty proud of myself for that one considering I'd never done this before. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's that's that was easily one of the most difficult things uh, getting started. But uh, when we su- submitted our our plan to city council, I mean they're they're a they're a very large group of older people who have never seen anything like this before. And when they hear of a place that wants to be open to three in the morning, it freaks them out a little bit. Okay. You know, there's there's a Betty White's hair salon down the street where it's you know predominantly older women who go in there who would have no interest in something like this and see it as like a a threat almost like well what if kids are hanging out mm-hmm. outside skateboarding harassing old ladies and it's like well if there's kids outside harassing old ladies why would I want that outside of my store I mean I'm a I'm I'm here in Overland this is my business that's going to do only bad things to this business and hurt it mm-hmm. like I would. 
me as a human being, if I ever saw something like that, I would step in and intervene. Like I'm not going to let uh, some kid push around an old lady or or harass them. You know, there's I I don't imagine too many people who would let something like that uh, just happen. But the uh, we've never had any problems with anything like that in the store. So I, the city council they gave us the permission to be open 24 seven. So eventually on Fridays and Saturdays, I do want to be open 24 hours. And now that we're allowed to do food, that's actually something that might be more viable because now we can start making money off that stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, they uh, originally wanted us to be only open until I think 8 o'clock at night. And I told them like that we would have to look into a, a different municipality if that's the case because there's no possible way that we're going to be able to survive if we have to close at 8 o'clock. Yeah. How would you possibly run – any event, like especially with magic tournaments, they tend to go pretty late because yes. usually you're running them five to six o'clock in the evening, right? And if everyone's done work, okay, now you can go play magic. And you're talking exactly. a good five to six hours from there. So yeah, when they when they told us that, I told them, nope, I will go to a different municipality. And then we started looking in St. John's. And then, uh, you know, once again, same kind of thing happens where they, they're like, well, we don't know about this. And I was mm-hmm. like, we have, we have many things that we're going to do to make sure you know kids aren't getting rambunctious we're going to enforce uh a curfew i mean as much as you are afraid of these things happening by no means do we want them happening because anything that happens along those lines is going to hurt us and put a bad image on us and we Mm -hmm. don't want that so that when when the other lady who's here before us they they didn't have any problems with her and uh i also worked at the quick trip for a while like i said earlier and I actually had met a lot of the city council members. And uh, during the city council meeting or the planning and zoning board meeting, one of them stood up and spoke for me. He's like, I remember Gabe working at Quick Trip. I've seen him handle 20 people on his own. I've never once seen him get out of line. He always works very hard. And if there's anyone who'd be able to do this, it's him. I think we should give him the chance to be open 24 hours. And just and if he ends up messing up, then we get him out. But uh, until then, I say we give him the chance. Mm-hmm. So they ended up uh, letting me go in here and be 24 hours. Nice. Yes. So what was it like using the approval of the city council to get a business loan? Like, what was the process from there? Well, the approval from the city council is just to, to get inside the business. Like, mm-hmm. uh, the business loan ended up coming through, uh, through someone, a personal acquaintance. I loaned the money from him and we're slowly making payments back on that now that we oh. we're actually making money and can afford to do so. Yeah, that's uh, there was that through a uh, a bank loan. Gotcha. So you had a uh, a benefactor. Yes. Was that critical? Like, if this person didn't exist, or you didn't have access to them, or they just didn't want to, would you have still moved forward to try and do this, or would a bank loan actually have been your fallback? The bank loan would have been the fallback. Originally, I didn't want to do a bank loan because of when I was looking at all these other businesses and just looking at like, well, the biggest reason they're going out of business is because they're trying to have them try to pay back this bank loan. They don't have enough money to write the check themselves. And then between the costs of everything else, it just ends up not being lucrative enough to, to sustain. Mm-hmm. Um, when I was looking at this many years ago, I had bought a house and right before the, and I was going to fix up the house and resell and use that as the money to, uh, to start the business up. And then the housing market crashed, and then my house ended up being worth less than what it was. Mm-hmm. So that ended up being not an option. 
but I had a 401k that I was just going to cash out because I'm working a quick trip and then use that as the startup money. One way or the other, I was going to get this going. It just ended up being a lot more convenient that someone was willing to loan me money. Yeah. Determination. Very much so. Okay. Interesting story. Not a lot of uh, business owners go into the inner workings of really what it took up up front. <laughs> I'm a pretty open person. There's not much I won't tell people. Great. What resources would you recommend somebody who wanted to start their own game store? Maybe not something identical to yours, but just if they wanted to get into the game business, what would you tell them that they should have up front other than a large sum of cash? <laughs> Well, a large sum of cash definitely helps. Uh, research. Lots and lots of research. Research every little thing. Uh, you can get your, you need to get your business license and everything done. Uh, we ended up going to a lawyer and paying $500 to do it. What the lawyer didn't tell us is that we could have gone to the bank and had it done for free. Hmm. Uh, but the, it was like, you have to send in your, your, like, you have to get incorporated. You don't have to get incorporated. You want to get incorporated. Because if someone slips and falls in your store and sues you, they can sue you for everything you have at your house and everything else. So getting incorporated makes it to where they can only get you for your stuff at your business. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's that's a pretty ideal thing to do. So you want to get incorporated, and you got to send all your, like, articles of organization into the Secretary of State. And that's kind of, you know, if you've never done it before, it's really confusing. It's, it's like looking at uh, lawyer jargon. You just yeah. don't know what's going on. So uh, if you go to the bank, they'll help you out with that. Um, and you want to get a bank account in your business name, and then you want to start making sure everything's traceable through that because if you ever get audited or anything, it's going to be bad news bears. Mm-hmm. Um, just keep all your receipts of anything you're buying and doing to, to start up your business because you need proof of it. You're going to have to pay uh, taxes on that as well. Um, just research, tons and tons of research, figure out, like, uh, there's some people who opened up a, a store and it ended up working out well, but they've kind of maxed out what they're able to do because they opened up in a small population town where, you know, there's only so many kids in the school that can even, even do something like that. Like, mm-hmm. you know, when you open up in a town of 1500 people, it's just not going to be that popular selling magic cards unless it just exploded. But it's, it, yeah, you really need the community to support already there. Exactly. And you, you can't, I remember. Mm-hmm. It's harder to make customers than it is to just serve the ones that exist, right? Yes. I, I remember when I was looking up to opening up here, I was like, oh, well, my friends do this, and they're going to like it a lot. you know. And he goes, well, don't depend on your friends to make your business. Depend on how many new people you can get into your door, like easy access through a highway, someone being able to find your business, you know, big lights. Because y- your friends, once you actually open up, you know, having them actually come in is a whole other story. Like I had, I didn't have, uh, I had maybe five or 10 people I actually knew come in and spend money in within like the first six months. And I've, I know hundreds of people who all knew about this, but the, mm-hmm. uh, getting them in there to actually, you know, spend money on something that would interest them is, is another story. You know, new customers, getting new people in here. That's, that's, that's what keeps you afloat and keeps you going. Even if you do have a regular customer who's coming in there every day for a straight year, sooner or later they're going to get burnt out and they're going to take a break and go find something else. They might come back later, but they will stop coming in every once in a while. And then when they, you lose some of your best customers like that just from boredom or just getting burnt out, you're going to have to have someone to be able to replace that. So like getting an easy, accessible building that people can find 
that's that's pretty ideal. Making sure you're close to your target market. You know, you got to know what your target market is too. Like, uh, there's a lot of people who, who open up and then they just plan on making money without doing all the research and end up going out of business. And it's it, it's because they didn't do the research. Yeah, good that's, advice. That's that's my suggestion. Do your research. Yeah, and location. Location is paramount. Very much so. Okay. So do you uh, do you have any tools? Like uh, you've mentioned your social media input throughout the day, but do you have any other tools online that you use that your business wouldn't really uh, function without? Oh yeah, we started doing a Groupon and Amazon uh, Groupon Merchant Service uh, Merchant Services. Mm-hmm. They help out a lot. Uh, but we made sure that like when people get a date, like, okay, when you do that stuff, you have to charge half of what it normally is that you would be offering. And then you only get half of that. So whatever you're selling, you're getting 25% of, which is very, very minimal. Like it's, it's not something you're really making money off of. Yeah. You're, you're barely covering your costs, but luckily enough for us, our arcade side is, you know, doesn't really cost us anything. So being able to do Groupon stuff through that, I mean, that's free merchandising or free advertising. Mm-hmm. Well, so not, I should say it's free. We're losing 75% of it on each sale. But those are people that would have never heard of us or never saw us, never came in unless we had through that. And then that's like, like uh, buying we a do customer, it, right? Pretty much. Like it's it's we have a lot of people come in and do birthday parties, too. And then once kid one one when one kid comes in and has a birthday party, he brings in like 10 kids. And then one of those kids is bound to have a birthday party coming up soon. And they go, oh, my God, this place is awesome. I want to have my birthday party here. Mm-hmm. And then that kid brings in 10 kids. And then one of those 10 kids has a birthday coming up soon. And that kid does the same. And it's kind of a chain reaction. So we get to do a lot of birthday parties here for uh, for children. And then we open up early. So like they're by the time they're done, we're, we're just opening up. So they're not bugging anybody else. And they have all the systems to themselves. And then they can go do whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it but sounds yeah, like uh, your your specific business business model would be great for birthday parties. Oh, very much so because it allows them to go do whatever. The parents don't have to. I mean, they watch them, but they don't have to sit here and hold their hands and make sure you know there's no predators nearby or you know they're going to go running out the store or anything. Like it's it's uh pretty low key and it it makes it to where they're they're not running around. They get to sit down, play all the video games they want, and. Uh, the parents can just sit down and read a book. Mm-hmm. Hey, so uh, going to Groupon a bit, how did you – is it just a sign up and deal with it or do you have to work out a deal with the business itself? You're going to have to work out a deal. You're going to get called. If like uh, We were in the paper because of the, the city council meeting where they approved us to be 24 hours and then they put it in the paper and everything. I had over 100 calls from people who basically like, oh, I heard you walked into a large sum of money. Would you please buy our stuff? And mm, it was, yeah. So pretty much from 9 o'clock until 10 o'clock at night, I was getting a business call after business call after business, business call. And uh, I got called by Groupon and, and uh, Amazon eventually. And uh, at first I was hesitant to do it because, you know, when you hear someone saying, hey, we're only going to give you 25% of what you're worth, it doesn't sound too appealing. Mm-hmm. But uh, we definitely needed our arcade side to get busier, so we we uh, we started doing that, and we started getting a lot of people coming in and doing it. And you can specify uh, that you only want one 
one Groupon per customer. Like they can't, once they get one, they can't get it again. And we have in like, you know, the fine print that, you know, it's only for first time customers and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So people coming in here can't just keep using those over and over because it's a lot cheaper, but then we don't get any money off of it. So yeah. good idea. Yeah. All right. Going to, you mentioned Amazon. Mm-hmm. What do you do on Amazon? Like, is it just your uh, merchant? Sell your. It's, it's the same exact thing. It, we don't sell the stuff online. It's just a matter of people can come in and, or they uh, they get the the Groupon number and they bring it in and then it, it says all day access pass for two or four people and then they can go play whatever. Oh, it's another coupon program. Yes. Oh, okay. And you do you do that just for your arcade side of the business, or do you do that for the other portions as well? Well, the arcade side is the only thing we do that for because it doesn't cost us anything really so it's it wouldn't be ideal for us to do something with the product that we're selling because we would lose money on that every time yeah that's that's kind of what i was thinking because i've had a conversation with another game store owner who did a little bit of dealings with the groupon and he definitely did not recommend it especially for like the uh hard sale items like board games and cards oh, and God, such. And no. like, it's just your margins are so thin already that this kind of a discount is really not what you want to be doing because you're not, you're not buying a customer. You're training them to expect a sale and a, yeah. and a discount. And that's not going to keep your store open bottom line. Right. Yeah. And if that, if that was the case, if you're just trying to sell a product, I mean, you'd be better off just selling it on Amazon or eBay at, at a cheaper price, because if you're buying it at 50% and then you're selling it at 25%, you're losing 25%. And that's just never going to be ideal unless you're jacking up the price so high mm-hmm. that you could, still make money off that or break even but i couldn't imagine anyone actually being able to sell stuff at that price and and get away with it all right so uh let's go into something a little hypothetical Mm -hmm. if you had to go back a year and a half and do something start over from scratch you knew everything you knew now but you know the store doesn't exist yet would you do anything differently uh a couple things the like where I put some of the money, like I know what what's selling and what's not selling. Like our the miniatures just aren't really selling, and with uh, 3D printers becoming more readily available and cheaper, like that'd be something I just wouldn't invest in. Uh, the paints I still would because you know even if someone prints off a 3D model, they're still going to need to go buy the paints and the brushes and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a few things I did in the store where I I set it up away and then I changed it around now and it looks a hundred times better. It, it looks a hundred times better. Like it's, it's, that's something I would have done initially. And then, uh, yeah, that there's, there's not too many things I'd change the way we do. Probably start selling posters. We have, uh, we have a good hundred, 150 posters in here. And that's one of the first things people always comment on is like, do you sell posters? Cause I want this one and this one and this one. And so, hmm. oh, I wish we did, but we don't. <laughs> Are you going to? It's actually something I'm looking forward to doing in the future because of how many people have been asking for it. Mm -hmm. Uh, But as of right now, I'm trying to, you know, we only have so much money we can budget each month out for advertising and getting Mm -hmm. everything else done. And right now, food is is, uh, main priority because we just got approved for it. So I got to get, you know, snow cone machine and coffee maker and tea maker and all that kind of stuff. Okay. You mentioned the, the 3D printers and the miniature market. Is it actually, have you found people saying that I'm not going to really buy my Warhammer or my Heroclix stuff because I can actually print them at home now? 
Is that a thing? Uh, there's a couple people who are. I, I mean, we we just started doing miniatures, and I regret getting them in now because it's they're just not selling at all. Because people who have their miniatures already have them, they're not going to to invest in it anymore. They're like, I have my army, I don't want to buy anymore. Mm-hmm. But the only thing they might buy is paints and something else be from from whatever they're low on. But like people with the uh, the printers, like there's people looking at investing in the printers where you can get computer programs where you can take a picture of a figure, upload it, and then print it off. Interesting. So it's like it's like being able to print money essentially. Because I mean, if you could yeah. just imagine if you could just take a magic card, put it up in the computer, print it off, and has it as your magic card now, and use it in the thing. Because there's not like in tournaments where it's like, oh, you didn't buy the uh, model that we sold. You can't use this here. Yeah. You know, magic will do that. Sort of. There has been a few counterfeit scares in recent times, right? Where people were doing yeah, just that. They were printing out very close China, forgeries, right? Yeah. Yeah, they because my cousin's actually looking at starting to make uh, cards or like lands with, uh, you know, ladies on them and tokens and stuff like that. And uh, the he, he had them print off some cards to see how close they could get it just to see like what it would look like mm-hmm. and it is it is scary close like you have to hold up a magnifying glass pretty much to be able to tell like if it was in a sleeve and someone just went to sell it to you you would you, would you might not catch it, it. Too late. yeah have you but ever had tcg was actually getting a lot of them uh the fakes in and mm-hmm. they've never had that before the fbi actually ended up getting involved in that yeah that's a an interesting topic too have you ever had anyone try and sell you a fake card that you know about uh, no, and uh, I I uh, keep a pretty close eye for stuff like that. Uh, our customer base is ninety percent regulars at this point now. Like uh, it's it's almost like Cheers. When someone walks in through the door, everyone goes, "Oh, hi, Chuck," or "Oh, hey, hi, person." Mm-hmm. Every time, it's everyone knows everyone here, and we we haven't had any intentional theft. We've had someone accidentally take someone's deck box because it was the same color before, but you know, the next day it was given back because they gave us a call like, Oh my God, I'm sorry. I stole someone's deck on accident. and I'm bringing it up now. You know, so that's, that's like the worst we've had happen. But, uh, we, uh, we don't get people walking off people's collection. stuff. plus we have eight cameras. So whenever we get new people in or anything else, like we, we keep a pretty close eye out and it's, we haven't had any problems. No, that's good. Very good. Yeah, that's pretty impressive, actually. Okay. So uh, what's in store for your business in the near future, other than hot food coming up? Well, what are your uh, plans? If the hot food ends up being a big enough thing to where you know we're getting just a lot more people hanging out now because we have that, that food and, and coffee available, uh, I'll be able to afford hiring an employee to work uh, Friday, Saturday at overnight to where they would just be open 24 hours and we can start hosting more tournaments later on those days. Uh, we just started hosting casual chess day on Monday to where uh, people just come in to play chess. And if they want to get food or drink while they're here, they can. Or if they just want to play chess, they can. And then uh, we're going to try and start building some Warhammer tables so people can actually hopefully have a reason to start buying some of these Warhammer figurines <laughs> and uh, start playing that. Cause right now we don't have any tables for people to play on. Um, mm. As far as that goes, that's, that's, uh, that's what we got going on. Great. So can you uh, tell the listeners where they can find you in real life and online? Yeah. Uh, our website is uh, www.gamehavenstl.com. Uh, our Facebook is Game Haven STL dot or Game Haven STL, and then 
Our email is gamehavenstl at gmail.com, so it's pretty easy to find. Mm-hmm. Our phone number is 314-942-3770, also on our website on, I think, every single page. Mm-hmm. And then we're in Overland, Missouri, in between Midland and Lackland uh, on Woodson Road, uh, 2518. So it's right off uh, St. Charles Rock Road, which is right off uh, Highway 170. We're in between 270, 70, and 170, so we're... We're right off all major highways, at least for our area. Great. Is there anything you want to tell our listeners or potential customers? (laughs) Hope to see you in, and thanks for everyone who's helped me uh, get this going. Perfect. Okay, well, thanks, Gabe, for coming on. This is a good conversation. I had a lot of fun. Thank you very much, Thomas. I appreciate it. Yeah, you have a good day, okay? All right, thank you. Talk to you later. Hey, I hope you enjoyed that interview with Gabriel Escobedo. If you're looking for more info about gamester entrepreneurship and the magic community, check out ManiverseSaga.com. It's the home of the Maniverse podcast, where we talk about tips and strategies you can use to grow your local community and your business. From there, you can find more about Maniverse.com and sign up to get early access as a beta tester. We're currently looking for game store owners and magic players to help work out the kinks and give us some honest feedback. If you like what you're hearing, subscribe to the Maniverse podcast on iTunes and leave a review. If you don't like what you're hearing, do the exact same thing, but tell me why. Sharing this episode is also a great way to help the show. Every single reviewer will get a shout-out on an upcoming episode. Also, if there's anyone you'd recommend for the show, please let me know. And as always, I've been your host, Tom Traplin. Thank you for listening.